This is episode number 147 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Stannard of the Leaders Institute, and our goal is to help you build strong teams while growing a successful business. This is part three of a six-part series on how to build highly effective teams. And last week, we covered step one, which was to get your team to be mission-oriented, get them focused in a, in a common direction. This week, we're going to cover step two, which is to build a culture of trust within your within your team. This step is like putting a solid foundation on a building or a structure. The deeper the trust level is in your organization, the bigger you can build that organization. So this step is really vital to making everything else that we're going to cover in the next few weeks work really well. By the way, the episode is brought to you by leadersinstitute.com, the in-person leadership conference in Arlington, Texas. Yeah, that was that is scheduled in April is actually closed now. So if you wanted to get a seat in that conference and just waited too long, we'll have another one in the third quarter. So stand by on future episodes for details. All right, so let's get on with today's lesson. So this is part three of a six-part series on the five characteristics of high-performance teams. In each of the sessions, we cover one of the component steps to creating that team culture. And in the very first part, we covered an overview of each of the five steps to create a to create that those highly effective teams. And then last week, we covered the, the value of creating a great vision and mission for your company so that your team knows exactly where they're going. So here is a review of the employment engagement process. This is what we've kind of covered so far. So number one. Highly effective teams are mission-oriented. That's what we covered last week. This week, uh, step two is building trust and rapport with people that, with the people that you want to lead. Um, next week, we're going to talk about resolving conflicts and creating an environment where disagreements don't cause personal conflicts. Uh, the next step is gaining enthusiastic cooperation from your team, even when you're not looking, you know, so making them autonomous. And then the last stage is building confident leadership teams around you. So each of those steps are progressive, by the way. For, for instance, if we have a lack of trust within a group of individuals, we're likely going to be in more conflicts. And if we're in conflict with our team members, it's going to be more difficult to gain their cooperation. So the point is, is that the better that we do in the earlier stages, the easier it is to have success in the, the latter stages. So, so let's get started with, with step number two, which is the seven ways to build team trust. So think about the relationships that you have with other people as being as having a checking account with that person. Every person that you interact with has an entirely, entirely different balance in that relationship bank account. So when we have positive interactions with each of these people, we're making deposits into that account and we improve our level of trust with that particular person. However, when something negative occurs or if there's a conflict, a withdrawal is made from, from that account. So if you want to build trust in a team, you as the leader have to make a tremendous number of deposits into the accounts of your team members. <laughs> However, if you make withdrawals, then you and your team are likely to have trust issues. 
Um, so basically, th these are seven things that you can do to build that mutual trust within your team. Um, we suggest that you spend a week focusing on uh, a single one of these seven principles each day. Um, so it, it's really easy. All you have to do is before you go to bed each day, you have to apply one of these seven principles. And then by the end of the week, you should already begin to see a significant change in the rapport that you have with the people that you're interacting with, whether that's people that you live with, your family members, or your children, or your um, um, best friends, or coworkers, team members, whatever. Basically, you can apply these with every person that you want to build a trusting relationship with. Um, by using the principles consistently, you're going to create open communication. You're going to improve workplace trust. Um, so let me kind of go through the seven. I'll give them to you in an overview format, and then we'll go back and cover each of them in a little bit more detail. So the first one is you want to avoid criticizing your team. <laughs> The second one is you want to look at things from the other person's point of view, look at things from their point of view. Uh, number three is smile more. It's going to make you more approachable, make you more friendly. Number four is to make an effort to remember names and then use names to build that rapport with each person. Number five is avoid placing the burdens of your problems onto your team's shoulders. The next one is take responsibility for clear communication. That's phrased a specific way. We'll cover that when we get to it. And then the seventh one is you want to practice good listening skills. So let's go to that first one. Avoid criticizing your team. Um, the first step in building trust is to reduce the amount of criticism that you deliver to other people. And that's really delivered within our, our team structure. I mean, I have to admit by nature, I'm a, an incredibly critical person. And as a result, I have to be extremely careful when I coach people. I have to coach when I coach my team members, especially in my head. I might be just offering a friendly suggestion to the coworker. However, when he or she hears that suggestion, it sounds quite different. I have an overly aggressive personality, so my, my, my results are a little extreme. But when people feel like they're being criticized, they often take it personally and, and they also become defensive. And this makes that trust level kind of drop. So even if you're the nicest, sweetest person on the earth, when you criticize somebody, it's going to build at least some resentment. So even if it's just a little bit, but criticism is like, it's like a mosquito bite. You know, a single bite is annoying, but when you get bitten over and over though, it, it can make you miserable. And in some cases, these bites can lead to serious illness, right? Criticism is, is kind of the same way. One critical remark is kind of annoying. More Multiple critical remarks can be permanently harmful to the relationship. So um, if the remarks continue, the culture of your entire team can be negatively effective. So if you want to build trust in a team, make sure and avoid criticism whenever possible. The second one that you can do is look at things from the other person's point of view. Uh, when, when we communicate with, with friends and family and coworkers, we want to be heard. We want to be understood. Well, guess what? The person who we are communicating with wants the same exact thing. So if you want to build trust in a team, focus on looking at things from the other person's point of the other person's perspective, other person's point of view. So just so you know, we put this principle into the building trust group of principles uh, in, in the, the ones that we're covering over the next few weeks. But it, it can actually be a good conflict resolution principle as well. Um, give you a, a good example. A few weeks ago, we got a phone call from an upset customer and he had ordered a, one of our self-facilitated programs and we shipped him the materials for our warehouse. And he, he also, when we shipped these things out, he was supposed to get a leader's guide via email. 
Well, there was a glitch in the auto email system. And so he didn't receive it for one reason or another, went to spam or something. Um, but so he received this box of materials. The guide wasn't in the box. And he called us in a panic because um, he was really upset that the off, he was so upset that that the the um, office manager who took his phone call actually forwarded his call to me, forwarded it to my extension. So just so you know, um, when someone is aggressive to me, my natural reaction is to kind of respond in kind. But luckily, in this situation, though, I, I tried to do something a little different and look at things from from his perspective, from his point of view. Um, he had no idea that the leader's guide that we had promised him was digital. Um, so and and he had so he had no idea that we could actually send him that digital thing in less than a second. So from his perspective, he had paid money for a product that was incomplete. <laughs> he, he, by putting myself in his shoes, I was able to empathize with his situation. I, and I was quickly able to apologize and fix the situation for him without any challenges. And his panic went away almost immediately. So basically, the second way to really build trust with team members is to look at things from the other person's point of view. So number three is really the easiest way to, is you just, to build trust. And that is just to smile more because this makes you more approachable and more friendly. Um, th this one, it really doesn't take a whole lot of effort. Uh, but it really is important because smiles are contagious. Um, so are frowns, by the way. If you Rock around the office with a scowl on your face, then your your team will reciprocate. However, if you walk around the office and you smile, and they will also reciprocate. The first way, though, the frowning way, everybody is miserable. And your second way, you're spreading happiness to your team. Uh, by the way, Coca-Cola made a commercial where they had an actor walk into a, a subway car with a neutral expression. And then shortly after the doors closed, he smiled at something that was on his tablet. And next, he just started laughing. And by the time the car stopped at the next stop, the whole subway car was smiling and most were laughing together. A few of those people in the car began to pass out Cokes along with the, with a card saying, you know, happiness begins with a smile. It was, and that really is true. It, it, if you haven't seen that commercial, look it up on YouTube. It's a, it's a really cool way to kind of show how, you know, just by, by um, making yourself more approachable and smiling, it, it can really change the atmosphere of your organization, your office. And it's really the easiest way to build rapport with your team. And, and that's to smile more. Number four is make an effort to remember names. Um, in, in the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, he said that a person's name is to that person the sweetest, most important sound in any language. Um, moms know this to be true, by the way. Um, if, if, she really, if she really wants to get the attention of a child who is ignoring her, she just calls the child by name. Um, we never grow out of that, by the way. Um, if, if you want to um, kind of test this principle, Go to a coworker who is busy doing something. Somebody's typing on their computer something really into whatever it is that they're doing and, and just pause and then call the person by name. Within a split second, that person will likely look up and smile at you. And at that moment, you're actually in rapport with that coworker. So the fourth way to build trust in your team is to remember and to use their, their names and conversations. Number five is a unique one. It's you want to avoid placing the burdens of your problems onto your team's shoulders. A great way to diminish the trust that you have with your team is to dump on your coworkers. Uh, I'm not saying to avoid asking for help if you need it, by the way. Um, what I'm saying is don't create problems 
from procrastination and or from lack of thoroughness and then ask your coworkers to bail you out. Um, I'd like to tell you that the example I'm going to give you here happened to me years ago before I knew better, but it actually happened just a couple of months ago. I was teaching a class in Washington, D.C. on Monday, and I was flying to Atlanta on Monday afternoon, Monday afternoon uh, to teach on Tuesday. And the class in D.C. finished up a little early, so I'm relaxing at the, the airline club at the at Reagan International Airport. And I looked at my notes, though, and I felt like I was going to I was going to throw up because the client in Atlanta that I was going to teach a class for had hired me to create a custom workshop. And I had inadvertently written into my schedule using the same name as one of our pre-designed courses. And I'm looking at my watch and that meant that I had less than four hours to design the entire workshop, create a manual, get the manual printed and in that time frame. So it could be overnighted to uh, Atlanta by the time that I got there. Um, and, and the whole fiasco was my fault. I, it was me. I was the one that caused it. Um, now, luckily, my, my whole team basically had to stop what they were doing to fix the problem that I had created. And luckily, I've got a fantastic team who had my manuals waiting for me at my hotel at eight o'clock the next morning. I mean, they really are miracle workers. But if something like this happens once, you know, it might actually build some camaraderie and teamwork. It's like, oh, wow, we, we, we had a challenge and we overcame it. However, if that happens over and over and over again, it's going to diminish that trust and rapport of the, of the team pretty dramatically. So just be careful about those, those situations where your lack of preparation causes challenges for your team members. All right. So number six, almost getting toward the end. This is awesome. Number six is you want to build, you can build trust in your team by taking responsibility for clear communication. Um, clear, I mean, we all think, we like to think that we communicate clearly. I mean, good team leaders, though, they take responsibility to make sure that that communication has occurred. This is more than speaking clearly and listening well. I mean, those are those are kind of the starting points, but it's knowing your team members and understanding how they speak and how they listen as well. For instance, if you speak very clearly, but are speaking to a poor listener, did that communication actually occur? A good leader knows the strengths and weaknesses of all the players in, in the conversation. Um, give you a good example of this. My son, Ben, was in fourth grade. Um, and he was he played first base and, and in little league, and he was he had pretty good hand eye coordination. So his coach told him not to let the ball get past him. And for the first few games, he caught every single ball. The coach was enthused. I mean, he was like a best first baseman ever at the age of whatever he was, you know, ten years old or whatever. Um, then a poor throw from the shortstop actually pulled him off the base, and the runner was safe. And the coach, trying to give instructions, told Ben. Hey, make sure you keep your foot on the bag, right? Well, Ben missed the next 12 throws to him. <laughs> I was watching the stands and I was just as confused as the coach. We're both looking at each other going, what the heck? I mean, he was like 100% and then 0%. And on the car, in the car on the way home, I asked Ben, I said, hey, what, what did the coach tell you? And he answered, and I just, I busted out laughing um, because the coach thought, that clear communication had actually occurred. Um, early in the season, um, he told Ben not to let anything by him, right? 
So that's when, when he said, don't let anything buy you, he caught every ball. It didn't matter where it went. He was going to catch every ball. But when, it, but when he replaced that with keep your foot on the bag, I learned a valuable lesson about communicating with my son that day because, uh, because he did what the coach told him to do. He was going to keep his foot on the bag, even if the ball was 40 feet away from him. Right. Um, so, uh, so just got to keep that in mind. Um, when, when, when we are communicating with our team members, sometimes in our head, we think we're being clear, but they're hearing something else. They're, they're trying to anticipate what you're, what you're trying to tell them that maybe isn't clear. And sometimes that can cause more confusion. So sometimes what is very clear to the speaker can be easily misinterpreted by the listener and the leader is the person to make sure that that communication has occurred. So the last one, tip number seven is you want to practice good listening skills. Um, the, this, this final tip is so big that I, I'm, I'm going to give it a, a little bit more depth. So um, I'll probably do this in, in a follow-up topic in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, the main concept, though, is to, is to take the time to make sure that you're listening to your team. Each, each member of your team has specific challenges. They also have great ideas. And if you're doing all of the talking, you're going to likely never hear any of those good ideas. So, um, so I, I can give you, here's my best leadership tip. Best leadership tip. Ready? The next time one of your team members comes to you with a problem, don't interrupt an offer of solution. Instead, respond with a question by saying something like, so what do you think we should do? And you will be surprised at how often your team member's idea is actually better than your own. Um, basically, the, the high trust works workplaces, you know, they create high levels of team productivity and they improve job satisfaction. So at the end of the day, the main takeaway from these seven principles is that high trust workplaces improve business success. When you create a corporate culture of teamwork, the success of your team is almost guaranteed. A team success is higher and the team performance improves when the organizational trust is really high. So if you want to unleash the full potential of your group, practice each of these seven principles on a daily basis, make them part of your habits. And if you do that, you're going to develop a very high performance team. Hey, by the way, if you'd like additional details in the show notes, if you click the link in the show notes, um, at the at the bottom of the the seven at the the at the after the last tip that that I give it gives some details about some different types of programs that you can do to increase the trust level within your organization. So you can kind of click that link or fill out a form on our website, and I'll give you a whole lot of additional details. All right, so thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. We'll see you next week. Bye, y'all.